All right, welcome to the Max Effort Kitchen. Uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. You know, whenever you're joining us, we're happy to have you. I'm Chef Matt. I will be your host for the day. Uh, you know, it's that time of year. We're going through the Thanksgiving series. We're talking Brussels sprouts today. It's going to be a good one. We're going to go through a multi-step recipe, you know, stuff you can do ahead of time, stuff that you can do the day of, and just how to put it together and create some amazing flavors. Um, this dish that I'm going to go through today is a, uh, it's a staple. It's a Thanksgiving staple, um, but it does get made uh, throughout the year when, um, you know, time calls for it. So drinking a nice... Uh, what is this? This is a Mexican crema latte. Uh, it's got a little bit of spice to it, dark chocolate, some cinnamon, nice uh, whole milk. It's it's a good one. Some might call it a little foo-foo, but hey, uh, you know, when in Rome. So I'm um, drinking it out of this nice little t- travel tumbler I got by uh, Mir, I think that's how you say it. It's M-I-I-R. Really cool cups. Uh, this one is your little uh, kind of, it's called a travel mug. It's got a handle on it. It's spark yellow. It's really neat. Uh, it's kind of my new favorite cup right now, so I had to talk about it. By no means am I sponsored. I am not sponsored. I just like to share share the love on some of, the, uh, some of my favorite products. So go check them out. Uh, they have great cups. I got tumblers. I got all kinds of stuff. But uh, I, uh, that's what I'm drinking out of right now. It's a nice one. Um, weather, wow. It was a beautiful day. Beautiful day. Started off great. Um, blue skies, low 40s, chilly winter, getting going for that cooking season. Just, it just, you know, I wake up and I walk outside and I took a walk this morning. I was getting ready for a weightlifting competition I did and and I took a little extra long walk and just that, that crisp air and you got some warm coffee and, you know, neighbors walking by saying hi and just seeing the smiles on people's faces has been really, really refreshing. And just, you know, you can just sense it. You can feel it in the air. You know, it's that time. People are getting ready. People are on the verge of the big day, the big turkey day. And uh, I, you know, I'm really... It makes me happy. It does. Uh, I feed off of energy of other people a lot of times. And, and that's, you know, it's a big thing for me. So I, I like to enjoy that. I like to see it. I like to hear about all the good time and food that people are making. You know, some of the, the pictures that people are sending me are just outstanding. Uh, to all you out there that are cooking these recipes, mad, mad props to you all because, you're doing a great job getting some really good questions too. Um, so I love it. I love that, that, uh, this is actually useful for some people and, uh, I hope to, to, uh, I hope to reach some other people and, you know, do your best to share. If you know somebody who could really, uh, benefit from this, you know, let them know about it, push it on. Um, it's funny because I was just, uh, I went to pick up my daughter the other day and she was, she's on this new thing and, you know, she's, 12 no she's 11 sorry 11 years old and she started to go on these you know kind of solo play dates so you know 
you know, you drop them off with a friend and a friend's parent, or, you know, maybe where the parents that's a chaperone. But anyways, we, you know, I'm going to pick her up at this one. They have this little coffee shop they go to where they get hot chocolates and, you know, all the seasonal goodies. And, um, I'm talking to, uh, her friend's mom and, you know, telling her a little bit about what I do and all that. And she's like, Oh, my oldest daughter is so into cooking. And I told her, I said, check out this podcast, you know? And this, it wasn't like a selfish plug, but it was more like, you know, let's, uh, I, I couldn't, I was so excited because it was like, I get to, you know, tap into this young creative mind of, uh, in the culinary world. It's just, it's such an opportunity to be able to do that. So, um, if you're listening out there, I hope you are, um, soak it up, just soak it all up. I'm trying to give everybody as much information here as possible. But, uh, yeah. So if you know anybody, share it, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Um, and, uh, let's, let's get right to it here. So let's see. I want to recap a little bit about what we've done on this Thanksgiving series. And, you know, first one, we had mashed potatoes. Then we went into uh, cranberry sauce. And I think the last show was stuffing. So we're building a dinner here and, you know, something we're going to do leading up to Thanksgiving. I think I'm going to try to get this out by at least Tuesday to give everybody time is we're going to do a game plan. We're going to talk Turkey. I'm going to tell you what to do there. We're going to talk a little Turkey today on kind of some pre prepping things, but I'm going to give you the recipe on how to cook the Turkey on Tuesday. And then we're going to talk game plan. And I mean like meal prepping, I'm talking about, you know, building your shopping list, making your prep list and how to attack it. Because I think that's one thing that um, is really overlooked is uh, being able to have an organized plan going into these big meals and these big events. Not necessarily something you need to do, you know, for an everyday dinner, right? Because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to sit there and be making lists all day and, you know, having it up. Maybe some might, but you know, not for me. I, I find that when I have to list everything out, it kind of, you know, stents my, my creativity and man, that's, that's one beautiful thing about, uh, culinary is that there's such a, um, wide window or wide range for, creativity. You know, we've talked about recipes and how they don't tell you everything. Well, it's also because they're giving you room to make your own adjustments. You know, um, if something's too salty, you adjust it here. If something's too sweet or bitter, you're, you're adjusting it in other places. Um, you can't do that with baking. You know, baking is a, it's, (laughs) I was just talking to somebody the other day. It's a science experiment. It's exactly what it is because you have to be detailed and you're working with, you know, chemical leavening and, and how to make things rise properly based off of how, you know, ingredients sit in the temperature and the water and, you know, all the different chemicals that it's mixing with. Baking is a science bottom line. You can't improvise as much. Now that said, I know some professional bakers out there that'll probably disagree and say, I improvise all the time. But you all are professional bakers. That's all there is to it. You guys do it every day. Don't want to hear that. So 
culinary, we get to uh, be creative. We get to make, you know, game time changes, you know, something we wanted to try. It's, you know, I highly recommend doing that. And that's why I'm giving all this stuff to you really far in advance, you know, is, is try out what I'm doing. Look at the technical side of things that we talk about and then, you know, test things, try it out, taste your food. That's what it's all about. That's why, you know, you know, you, you get, you've built that love with uh, cooking by just getting in the kitchen and creating something. You know, when I first started, the one thing that I noticed was like, it was something that I was able to get and create, put on a plate and call it my own. And I have a very creative side of me that really, really enjoys that. And I thrive off of it big time. You know, when I'm creating something and it makes other people happy, who doesn't, right? Excuse me. Okay. So now that you got that little pep talk, uh, we're going to go right into Brussels sprouts. Uh, Brussels sprouts. Holy geez. They, they get such a bad rap. I mean, the worst rap. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I still to this day, get people being like, no, I don't touch Brussels sprouts. And, you know, I, in my opinion, that I'll tribute that to, you know, in the, shoot, I think it may have started in the 40s and all even all the way up to like the 80s and some of the 90s. Like, you know, Brussels sprouts were a boiled or steamed product. And if you've ever done that, uh, you're going to not want to be in your house because it's going to smell like farts pretty much the whole time. It's one of those, you know, uh, sulfury, really high sulfur products that like you steam it. And that, I mean, what, what's coming out of that? It's that sulfur steam. Your house reeks like farts and it, you don't want that happening on Thanksgiving, right? So bottom line is do not boil or do not steam these things. Just don't do it. There are so many better ways, to, uh, cooking methods and ways to do this um, that make Brussels sprouts as amazing as they are. And, you know, they're in the culinary world. I think they, they blew up about 10 years ago. Yeah, it was roughly 10 years ago. And they had like this resurgence of, of like, oh, we can do some really cool things with these when we put some high heat on them, when we fry them in the fryer or deep fry them, or, you know, it's like, okay, this is a different product. You know, there was a, a, a scientist that came along, I want to say, and, you know, this was off the top of my head, I think it was early 90s, um, it was a Dutch scientist, he came along, and he found a way to modify the genetics of it. Now, you're going to probably be like, oh, so a GMO, huh? Well, yeah, yes and no. He found a way to, to grow uh, Brussels sprouts to you know tame the bitterness because it is from the uh, the family and, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's called the uh, Brassicaceae family. The Brassicaceae. I think I got that right. Um, and you know, so that's that's the family of uh, broccoli and mustard greens and cabbage and all that stuff and. If you've ever eaten any of those things raw, you know that they're going to be bitter. Um, some of them cooked are going to be bitter. I mean, come on, mustard greens, that, that says it all right there. So 
you know, take some time to understand, you know, what, what's happening with these plants. You know, they're, they're growing them a certain way um, so we can eat them a certain way. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. You know, science can be cool. I know that there's a huge debate right now, but like um, we can do some really neat things that are um, produced by science that are not harmful for our body. Now, I'm not going to vouch for everything, but this one I will vouch for. Um, I like the fact that we can get some bitterness out of it. It's it's uh, it means something. So, you know, Brussels sprouts, they were. They came from the, uh, I guess they're native to the Mediterranean. It was, uh, they first showed up in ancient Rome, but they were really caught on and they really cultivated in the 18th century in, uh, Brussels, Belgium, hence the name Brussels sprouts. Uh, and so that's really where they cultivated, um, they, they came from this, this region. It's, you know, Northern Europe, it's kind of. Uh, similar to the Pacific Northwest. I think it's along the same equator line maybe, but it's like, you know, a little bit cooler nights, a little bit cooler temperatures. You're not getting the hot summers and these things love to grow in that, uh, that environment. So they really found some, um, some, you know, fame with that fame and fortune and, uh, you know, really just blew it up. It's, uh, it was, it was a good thing for that that happened because then uh, let's see when the first time it made it to the United States, I think it was Louisiana because it was done by French settlers. So, you know, I, that, which makes sense because there's a lot of a French influence in Louisiana cooking. I mean, that's pretty much where Southern food started is from the French. Um, and I would love to people, I'd love somebody to debate me on that one because there's a, there's a lot of history with that. And, Southern food is primarily French food with its own spin. Now, I'm not going to take the South and say, you know, you stole your cuisine because you didn't. You made it your own. It's Southern food. It's not French food, but it derives from the French cuisine. And there are some amazing flavors. So hope I'm not offending anybody out there, but that's just what it is. So there you go. Now, uh, now they're pretty much grown all over the West Coast, you know, Washington, Oregon here, and uh, some in California. Um, but the, like I said before, they come from that broccoli, that mustard green family. They're really, really high in vitamin K, vitamin B, and oh man, huge and great source for vitamin C. Um, little side note, y'all trying to get some good vitamin C into your system without having to take a pill every day, eat broccoli stalks. Broccoli stalks are going to blow your mind with the amount of vitamin C that they have. They're going to, and right now with, you know, coming into the flu season, dealing with, uh, you know, somewhat of a pandemic still, you know, vitamin C is going to help boost your immune system. Get some broccoli stalks, eat them, cook them, saute them, you know, roast them. They are yummy goodness. Do not cut those things off anymore. You know, peel them chop them up, throw them in with your broccoli. Well, side note, sorry, that is my rant. But okay, so with Brussels sprouts, you know, like I said before, you know, we do not want to be boiling. We do not want to be 
uh, steaming these things because you're a you're not only are you cooking out a lot of those nutrients, those vitamins I just talked about, but you're also taking, you know, the moisture and you're kind of like throwing it to the wind a little bit. Um, and it doesn't lend for that, uh, vegetable to soak up more moisture. And what I mean by that is we're going to be adding some moisture to this recipe, but it's going to be flavor. And that's the point is we want to shock these things. So they soak up flavor. So pan fry, deep fry, shoot, even air fry, roast in the oven, always at 400 degrees. That's a big thing. Anytime you're roasting a vegetable in the oven, 400 degrees, no matter what vegetable it is, I don't care. Challenge me on that one. You're going to get your best results. You're going to cook it at a good rate and you're going to get a nice caramelization at 400 degrees. Don't try to do it 375. Do not try to do it at 350 unless you want to, you know, really take all day to cook something. So, um, you know, the, the way these things are, are really, they're grown on these like cool stocks. And we see these stocks in, uh, the, in the supermarket, especially this time of year, right? You go, you go to like Fred Myers or somebody and, and you see, uh, these big giant stocks of Brussels sprouts, and they're so cool looking, <laughs> you know, I think my sister-in-law might've used them for a, uh, for like a tablescape one time, <laughs> although very creative. Um, and I loved it, you know, that's, I don't know, maybe not the purpose, but that's okay. I think it's uh, super creative, but you know, the one thing about them growing on the stalks is, you know, it keeps them fresh. So it's like you're keeping the tomato on the vine, right? You're keeping it on its mother source. And so that's going to keep that thing fresh for a little bit longer. So you can, you know, go out and actually kind of buy those a little early and get them, get that, get that out of the way, stick them on your counter. And not only do you have a cool decoration, but it's, uh, you know, you can just chop those off as you need them. It's really neat. Um, so let's get into this, uh, this recipe here because it is uh it's going to be a couple steps and I'm, and I'm really glad this came about because I wanted to really go through a multi-step recipe all right so uh Brussels sprouts recipe this is a chef Matt original um I built this myself although stealing from a couple others to create this this is something that I created um, in one of those stents of, of, um, winging it in the kitchen. So took a couple times to really get the flavors down and, and the, the technique, but we did it. So, uh, I'm going to go through the, uh, the mise en place here and talk about, you know, what we need. Uh, you're going to need a pound and a half of Brussels sprouts. You're going to need a half of a butternut squash, one pound of bacon, four tablespoons of butter. Uh, we're going to do salt and pepper and oil, a balsamic reduction, roasted pecans, and then for the herbs, we're going to do parsley and sage. Now, we're going to break this recipe up into, um, let's go two different sections. And the first section I'm going to do, and you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about why I'm doing this. First section I'm going to do is the balsamic reduction and the roasted pecans. 
Um, and then the rest of the recipe. So roasted pecans and balsamic is number one. And then the rest of it is number two. Okay. So uh, let's talk about balsamic reduction. Um, first things first, you can buy balsamic reduction at the store. The reason why I like to make it is because it doesn't have the different preservatives in it. Um, you're going to find that the reductions at the store are going to taste more like a, um, a syrup that has, you know, different flavors in it. Like it's weird because, you know, you would think it's just a balsamic reduction, but they got to put things in it to make it shelf stable. Right. Um, we're, we're not going to put anything in ours. Uh, we may, you know, you can put a little bit of honey to help thicken it, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do it the old fashioned way. We're going to reduce it. So go out there, buy yourself a, you don't need a lot. So just, you know, one jar or, you know, one bottle of balsamic vinegar, you know, just go to your vinegar section in the grocery store. Everybody has it. I'm pretty sure most people that are listening to this podcast might know what that is. So go buy that. Um, and while you're there, get yourself some pecans. Now, uh, we're going to need about two cups, but you know, you can shoot, you can roast the whole bag. So just get one bag of pecans, whole pecans. Um, it's, it's a big, big thing that they're whole. So they roast evenly. So the balsamic reduction and the pecans can both be made two days, three days, you know, in advance. So because it is a timely process for the balsamic reduction um, and the the pecans, you know, once you roast them and toss them in the herb, it, you know, they're a nice little snack. But also uh, it's a good thing to do ahead of time. That way you have them roasted and ready to go. So balsamic reduction, you're going to take that bottle, you take the cap off. You're going to pour the entire thing in your saucepan. You're going to turn your saucepan to about four you know, uh, most people have the, um, the stovetop that, you know, by, by the numbers, if you have a gas one, just do medium, low heat, something that is not going to scorch it, something that is not going to boil it. Okay. We want that to reduce. So we're going to keep it low, low and slow. This, that's the name of the game with this one. And so this is also right. Why you want to do this recipe or why you want to cook this one ahead of time because if you think you're going to make balsamic reduction while you're doing the uh the actual brussels sprout recipe um you're probably not going to get a very good product because you know we really want it to cool down too and because that, that just helps the thickening process so uh reduce that by half and a lot of the times you know to to know how we do that is i like to take a toothpick okay you got your stuff in the pan just turned on your burner, put it on the burner. Okay. Take a toothpick, stick it in there. So the toothpicks, uh, touching the bottom of your pot and then pull it out and then take a pencil or a marker and mark that line. Okay. Mark a line where the top was, uh, of the balsamic vinegar was at. Um, a lot of times you don't even need to mark it. You can, you know, the vinegar is going to stain the wood on it, but if you have a different utensil or whatever, you know, just make a line. Then in about an hour, and I'm not joking, in an hour, I want you to go back and want you to stick that thing back in there and see how far down it's gone. This is going to tell you how much it's reducing. You cannot eyeball it. 
unless you've done this a million times. I can eyeball it. I know the, the, the thickness. I know the viscosity that I want. Um, and that I can eyeball because I've done it over and over and over till I know exactly what I'm looking for. So once you reduce it by half, okay, you stick your toothpick in there, you know, you're halfway down. You're like, all right, cool. This is done. I think what I want you to do is I want you to go get your tasting spoon, metal spoon, something, whatever. It doesn't matter how big it is. Just get a spoon. Okay. And I want you to Get in there, stir it around a little bit with a spoon. Take it off the heat, stir it around, stir it around. Take that spoon off or out and look at the back. If the back of your spoon is coated and all the vinegar didn't just run right off, you are golden, okay? Um, I like to make sure that when I pull that spoon off, I can take my finger and wipe it along the back and you can see my mark. You can see the mark of my finger, okay? That's... The, that's the thickness or the viscosity that we want of this syrup. Now you're going to take that and you're just going to set it aside because you're making it 24 hours in advance. You're just going to let it cool down to room temperature. You're going to put it in, in a jar, you know, a honey jar or like a squeeze bottle or something like that. Set it aside. It does not need to go in the refrigerator. Do not put it in the refrigerator. It will thicken up more than you want it to do it. So just leave it at room temperature. Good to go for that. Moving on to roasted pecans. So pecans, you know, nuts, they, they roast pretty quick. And we're going to go about a 375 for this one. So we don't roast it too quick or overdo it. A lot of times you can, uh, if you burn them, there's just no coming back on a, on a burned nut because it gets really bitter. So uh, take two cups. I like to toss it very, very lightly. And we've got to be careful about this but toss it very lightly, just a little bit of olive oil, okay? Just toss it in a bowl, make sure they nice and, you know, the kind of coated. We don't want to coat the whole nut. Put it on your sheet pan, salt it, just a sprinkle of salt over top, throw it in your oven. At, ten, at the 10 minute marker, I want you to pull it out and I want you to smell it. Use your senses, smell. You'll know because if that nuttiness comes out, you'll smell that. Um, a lot of the times I know if something's burning, I know if something's done by the way it smells. I mean, it's like clockwork. I can be outside and walk into the kitchen and my wife's in there making something and I'm, okay, that's done. Please take it out, take it out, take it out, right? Um, that comes from, you know, multi, multiple years of experience of smelling these things. But use your senses. You know, your nose is a huge tool to when it comes to cooking because you're going to smell the things. And, you know, as we all know, the things we smell go straight down into our taste buds. So it's a huge part. So make sure, take those nuts out, waft a little bit into your face, smell it. If it's there, if you start to see a little bit of browning, take them out. Now, while they're roasting, let's kind of back up a little bit. While they're roasting, I want you to take some room temperature butter. It's very important that this butter is room temperature. You're going to take two tablespoons of it. This is half of what you need for this recipe. So two tablespoons of butter, and you're going to kind of smear it along uh, uh, like a, a stainless steel bowl. Just like coat, kind of coat the walls with it, 
you know, it doesn't have to be like painted perfectly, but just coat the walls, right? Okay. Then what we're going to do is we're going to take those nuts. When we get those nuts right out of the, the oven, we're going to pour them in that bowl. And we're going to sit there and we're going to eat. You can use a wooden spoon to toss it. You can toss it with your hands, do whatever. But what the main objective is, is all that butter should be gone and onto those, uh, onto the pecans. Because what that's going to do is help the sage, because we're going to chop the sage up nice and fine, as fine as you can get it. You know, we're going to mince that stuff. And then once your butter is coated on the pecans, toss your sage in there, give it another toss again, put it on a cold sheet pan or a piece of foil and let it come down to room temperature. Okay. Because what we don't want to do is put it on a hot pan or put it somewhere where it might, um, you know, the butter might melt off and there goes your flavor. Okay. So once again, room temperature, just like the balsamic vinegar. Okay. We got half this recipe done. Super easy. All right. So let's move on to the day of getting ready to cook our Brussels sprouts. You know, the way we're going to prep these Brussels sprouts is we're going to cut them long ways in half. Cut off, if they have any, be any bit of like a nubbin on the end of them or a stem, you know, just kind of slice that off. That's really all you need to do. You're going to notice that some of the outer leaves are going to fall off. That's totally fine. I kind of like those in there because they turn really like crispy and crunchy and they add a little bit of texture to it. If some of them looking a little bit suspect, you know, just throw them away. It's fine. But, you know, I like to keep those leaves. They, they, they will fall off and it's no big deal. But I like to keep them. They add some nice texture to the product or to this recipe. Next, with our butternut squash, we're going to peel the butternut squash. Peel the whole thing. And the thing about butternut squash is that skin on it, can be pretty deep. It can go pretty deep. So what I want you to do is I want you to peel that thing until you see that rich orange color. Okay. You know, a lot of times you can peel it and you'll see that kind of opaqueish orange. You know, it's a, it's a mixture between the skin and the actual meat of the vegetable. But what we want is we want just the meat of the vegetable. So, you know, peel that thing until you, uh, start to see that really rich orange. Uh, cut it in half long ways, take out the seeds. And I want you to chop this butternut squash up into about, you know, half inch cubes. You know, one thing I want to be very clear about is we are cooking at home. We're not cooking for any French chef. We're not cooking for a restaurant. We don't need to make them perfect cuts. With that said, as long as you're cutting everything to an equal size, doesn't matter, right? Um, and I say that because it is important that they're in equal size. So they all cook at the same rate. You know, you're going to notice that like, uh, and, and maybe this has happened to you before where you've cut some stuff up and like, you got the little, little tiny chunks and you got some little bit bigger chunks. This happens with onions a lot. And then next thing you know, you got these little burnt pieces of onion and you got these like perfectly caramelized pieces of onion. So let, you know, the more when we, especially when we're using vegetables, it's really important to cut everything at an equal size. We cut it an equal size. It's going to cook at an equal rate and we're going to get the same caramelization on each piece and we're going to avoid any aspect of bitterness or, you know, burnt or anything like that. So, you know, cut that butternut squash into about half inch cubes. You know, if you want to get a ruler out, get a ruler out. If you can eyeball it, eyeball it. It's totally cool. Um, and that's good to go. 
Now, we're going to take our Brussels, we're going to take our butternut squash, and we are going to toss it in some olive oil, put it on the sheet pan, 400 degrees for 10 to 15 minutes. I'm always going to give you a window of time because I don't know your oven. I don't know how it cooks. I don't know how old it is or how new it is. So the, the first number is the minimum, and it goes up from there, you know. Um, some of you may have a very old oven where it just takes 20 minutes, but start it at 10. And what, what I'm going to say is put in a timer on for 10 and then pull them out, check them. How are we going to check these things? How do we know if they're cooked? Anybody? No? Well, two things. We're going to use our nose. We're going to smell it. You know, when you put that raw vegetable on there, you can't smell anything. There's nothing coming off there. You know, we all know what a Brussels sprout tastes like, or maybe you don't. But if you don't, then I'm going to tell you to use the toothpick. So take your toothpick, and you're going to actually push it through a a cube of your butternut squash. And if you can push that toothpick through there with ease, with no force, and it just pushes right through, you're good to go. You're done. You know, you'll... And if, and if that's the case, then generally you'll start to see some browning. You'll start to smell some caramelization happening. And you'll be good to go. If not, throw it back in there for another, I usually go either three to five minute increments, again, depending on your oven. You know, if you got, a, if you got the top of the line oven, you're probably going to go 10 to 12 minutes. If you got an older oven, it's probably going to be higher to 15 to 17 minutes. And that's totally fine because you're still getting it cooked. Bottom line. Uh, while you're, while you're cooking those Brussels sprouts and, uh, and pancetta while you're roasting them, I want you to chop up some bacon, throw it in your cast iron and let that stuff come down. And now we're going to chop the bacon into what we like to call lardons. Lardons is a fancy term for just saying little strips. Okay. So, you know, you're obviously, you're not going to get a a piece of bacon into cubes, um, unless you buy it unsliced. If you want to do that, just do some cubes. I don't recommend doing that. Just go go to your grocery store, buy some sliced, you know, thick cut sliced bacon, maybe some center cut stuff, and just slice it into these strips. And I'm going to call it probably like quarter inch strips, right? Again, fancy term, lardons. It's just cutting it up into quarter inch strips, okay? They're going to cook pretty fast. So we're going to put it on a low heat, low to medium heat. Let that cook. Let the fat render out. And when I say, you know, you're going to hear me talk about fat a lot. I call grease fat because that's what it is. You know, you look at that piece of bacon, all the white stuff on there, that's the fat. And when I mean render off, what's happening is you're putting it in a hot pan. That fat is heating up and it's melting. Hence where the grease comes from. Um, If you don't keep your bacon grease, start keeping it. That's just flavor. You can throw that. You can roast some potatoes and throw a bunch of bacon grease in there. I'm telling you, it's going to knock it out of the park. People are going to be like, what did you do to these things? Why do they taste like bacon? Just keep your bacon fat, please. You know, unless you're cooking some really gross bacon, which I hope you're not. Um, But keep your bacon fat. It's always a good source of flavor and fat on any vegetable. I digress. So we've got our Brussels our Brussels sprouts and squash roasted. We've got our bacon cooked, sitting in the rendered fat in the pan. Now 
we are going to take and we're going to mix everything together. We're going to put it all in a bowl, Brussels sprouts, the uh, final two tablespoons of butter, the butternut squash, the bacon, the roasted pecans, and toss it up. So toss it up, give it a nice toss, get everything equally mixed, put it into, into your serving dish, and then you're going to take the balsamic vinegar, and if you put it in a jar, just get a, a spoon and a nice big spoonful with it, and just drizzle it over top, drizzle over top, get good coverage. You don't want, what we don't want to do is we don't want to actually coat the stuff with this balsamic vinegar because it's a garnish, right? It's there as an acidic flavor to enhance the other flavors. And you'll talk, hear me talk about that. Salt enhances sweetness. Vinegar is going to enhance the flavors of the pecans, of the butternut squash, and the Brussels sprouts. So we're just going to get nice coverage over top. Uh, I will take some pictures of the ones that I've made and make sure you see what I'm talking about. What do we have left? Parsley. So take your, your bushel of, of parsley. Just pick the leaves off. No stems. Just pick a leaf off. Hand tear it once. Throw it on top. Hand tear it once. And do that maybe like four or five different leaves. And you're done. And one thing I want you to do, one thing I always want you to do, anybody guess what that is? Guess? Anybody? Hands? No? Taste your food. Taste it. We want to make sure we're getting that perfect bite. So when you taste it, don't just taste a piece of brussel, but taste it all together. Taste the brussel. Taste the butternut squash, the bacon. Make sure it has, uh, you know, balsamic. Make sure you salt and peppered it. Make sure you get a piece of the sage and, or I mean, a piece of the parsley and, and the pecans and all that. Because that's how you're going to know and that's how you're going to start to develop this palate and build these flavors. Okay. Now, if I went through that recipe really crazy, like, don't worry about it. I'm going to post it um, on the Instagram. I usually do the recipes in the story, uh, but I'm going to post that recipe and it will be something that you can uh, do. It'll be something you can do ahead of time. It's a great recipe, you guys. It is a winner. It is nothing you're going to be disappointed or any of your guests are going to be disappointed with. I promise you that. Whew, that was a big one. Okay, let's everybody take a deep breath in and out. All right, so a lot of information there, a lot of information. Again, I'm going to post the recipe. Um, I'll post some pictures on the uh, Max Effort Kitchen Instagram. So go check that out. Make sure you see it. If you like this recipe, give it a shot. Um, tag me in your photos. Send me your photos on email at maxeffortkitchen at gmail.com or you know you can dm me on instagram uh, and uh, right now those are pretty much the only two platforms i'm using um and but do we do have a new platform coming i i wanted to tell you all about this i'm actually building a website as we speak it's going to be a one-stop shop you can get the uh, the recipes, you can get the photos. I'll probably be doing some write-ups on all this stuff just so you have all the information. And the podcast will also be on this website. Um, it's looking like the website's probably going to be done. Uh, I think it's like 10, 10 days or so. 
but uh, I'm going to really push in to get it done quicker than that. Uh, I'm only one person here and I am creating it. But uh, yeah, so look out for that website. Also, um, I am writing a cookbook and every recipe we go through on this podcast will be in the cookbook. I do not have a a date for that. I'm just going to say TBA and uh, you will probably hear me talk about it again. Cool. Uh, that'll be a fun one and, you know, a pretty big uh, thing that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to write one. You know, it will have original recipes in it. It will have everything we've talked about on here. And uh, I guess once you get that, you'll probably won't have to listen to this anymore. <laughs> but uh, if you like listening to it, like I said before, just go ahead and give me a subscribe, share, whatever. Um, if you know somebody who could uh, benefit from it, then check that out. All right, next up, guys, we got turkey. Uh, We got game plan. But I want to talk turkey really quick right now because we are five days out from Thanksgiving. It is Saturday. We are five days out. You need at least five days to defrost your turkey. So if you do not have your turkey, get your butts out to the grocery store as we speak. Get that turkey because that sucker is going to be a rock-hard, solid ice brick. Okay? How are you going to defrost it? Well, I'm going to tell you. It works for me every single year. I don't ever have a problem with it, okay? There's never an issue with doing it this way. I want you to go um, get, you know, your biggest cooler. And if you don't have a cooler, go to the store. Get one of those styrofoam ones. I know they're not great for the environment. I have a styrofoam one that I've used multiple years in a row. You can wash them out. You know, it's not awesome. But if that's all you have then that's what you can use, okay? Um, what, and then get some ice packs, okay? So what you're going to do is you're going to get that turkey from the store. You're going to put it into the cooler, whatever cooler you want, if it's a home cooler from camping or, you know, whatever. Um, and then you're going to put a couple ice packs in there. You're going to stick it in your garage or you're going to stick it on your porch. Obviously put it where anywhere, nowhere, no like rodents or animals are going to get into it. You know, make sure it's nice and covered. Put stuff on top so nothing can get into it or whatever. And you're going to leave it outside for a minimum of three days. So every day what I like to do is I walk out there and I will open it up. I'll poke it, see where it's where it's defrosting and where it's not. And say, you know, the top seems nice and getting a little soft, the bottom. And maybe I'll flip it, you know trying to get some good air circulation in there. It's all good. You know, leave it out for at least three days. It's the, honestly, it's the best way to do it. You know, you're, you're not going to get it fully 100% defrosted that way. So you don't have to worry about any type of bacteria growing. It's in a cooler. It's in a controlled environment. You will be fine. I promise you this. I do it every single year and my turkey turns out amazing. Okay. Okay. So go out, get your dang turkeys. You need to have them right now. You need to have them defrosting as we speak. You, I mean, we're getting, we're getting to game time here. So get it going. Uh, get your turkey. Get, you, get it in your cooler. Um, next time we're going to talk game plan prepping how to make this meal. Because now we have all the recipes. Now we have all our sides. We're ready to go. Okay. I hope you're testing some. I hope you're perfecting what you want to do because when it comes game time, 
There ain't no time to remake the mashed potatoes or, oh no, I don't have balsamic vinegar. I'm not going to go to the store. Stores aren't going to be open for that. So, you know, let's, uh, let's get out there. Let's make this stuff. Let's do it right. Let's test it. And if it doesn't work, let's do it again. And then if it doesn't work, give me a call. Hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on my email. Check me out. Thank you, everybody, for being out here. I appreciate all the listeners. I appreciate all the love and support. You guys are amazing. I'm going to go in, have a nice family movie night, and I uh, will talk to you all soon. Have a great night.